0: Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and get started. I'm just going to pray for us one more time as we commence in today's services. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer together. Oh, Father in heaven, Lord, we truly thank you for even allowing us to get this close to your word today, uh, for illuminating our minds to understand these great sacred truths herein. Uh, Lord, we are truly thankful. Help us to overflow with gratitude with what has been given to us, the grace that is abounding in this place today um, uh, on behalf of us that Jesus Christ did for us. Help us to understand, O God, uh, what Jesus Christ accomplished on His cross and how He has applied that to our lives, to our beings. And Lord, I pray that You would help us to be attentive today. Uh, Help us to understand these truths and not to just hold on to them, but to give them, to give them out to other people, to to, to, to use them to the benefit of all the saints here in this place. Uh, that is our prayer today, Lord, that your truth would abound and that we would enjoy these. And as a church, we would all enjoy these together. And we pray these things in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So today I could have talked about so many things. I had a lot of things on my mind to talk about. But I went to the Ordo Salutis. Ordo Salutis, I think everybody loves uh talking about the Ordo Salutis. It has everything to do with who we are, what Jesus Christ accomplished and what is now being applied to us um, by his merit. The order of uh the Ordo Salutis, what does it mean? The order of salvation, right? The order of salvation or the applicatio salutis. Which, what do you think that means? The application of salvation. It's incredible, right? That's really what the order of salvation is. The order of salvation is really, what is the application of salvation? That's what we're asking. That's what we're saying when we mean the order of salvation. How is that salvation that was purchased by Jesus Christ applied to us? That's what we're really asking. Uh, yes, brother. Sure. Oh, that was so beautiful. I hate hate erasing this. Did you write that, Vicky, brother? Who who oh I know it's one of you two. One of you both of you write so beautifully. Let me take this down here. Um, so we have the uh, we have the ordo salutis here, right? And the applicatio. Oh, I gotta sound it out. Applicatio salutis. Right this one has to do it just means uh, oops the order and the application. And that is what we're concerned with today. We're concerned with the order of salvation, um, how the merits of Jesus Christ life, death, and resurrection, how those merits are applied to us, how are those things? Uh, realized in our personal existence as it has to do with our union with Christ. Uh, so, understanding the significance of qualifying the order of salvation—is it what is significant about having uh, an order of salvation? Is there something? Is there anything significant about uh, about being able to qualify the events of salvation? Uh, how they happen. What do you think? True. True? Knowing the truth. Oh, knowing, knowing the truth. So, so, so. Truth, uh, of truth of God's Word. Okay, anyone else? Is there, what else is significant? Assurance? Amen. Amen. Anything else? There are certain issues that can be mapped out. Mm-hmm. That sometimes can be confused. Amen. What comes first is it faith or regeneration? Amen. Amen. Now, th- to having a right ordo salutis, order of salvation, makes all the difference between being completely confused in your theology. Right? Um, a lot of people get this mixed up. Yes, brother. And you could also run into heresies like uh, the, the Catholic Church placing justification and sanctification in the Roman order. Uh, Amen. When you don't have a sound Amen. Amen. So when do you think we started focusing on Ordo Salutis? The Reformation, Reformation, right? That's when we started really focusing on the Ordo Salutis, the order of salvation, right? Uh, the reformers, the dissenters of the Catholic Church, uh, coming out of it, uh, had to put this question to themselves, right? Um, if it's not how they say it is, right? Then how is it? Then how are we saved? You know, if, if the Catholic Church has, prior to this time, has gotten everything wrong, then what is the right way of understanding these things? If it's not by a baptismal regeneration or by the catechism of the Catholic Church, the, the confirmation of the Catholic Church, going through all of these different steps, um, uh, of Of the way that they believe that you became uh, uh right with god and and whatever they it uh, was, the Catholic Church has a much different uh, uh order of salvation than what we are refining so because of that inside of that, the reformers had to go okay no so, so how is uh, or what is the the order of salvation uh how is the salvation that Christ purchased for us? Uh, How is that applied to our souls? That's the question. How does the elect sinner become a partaker of Christ's accomplishments at Calvary? That's the question, right? How do these things take place? So in other words, now that Christ the Messiah has accomplished our redemption of lost and fallen men, how is that redemption then applied to the same group of people? How do poor sinners receive what Jesus Christ purchased for them on the cross. That's the question that we're dealing with. That is the overarching question of our discussion here. Any questions? The atoning blood. What's that? The atoning, blood. the atoning blood, right? Uh, exactly. Defining the atonement and how exactly is that applied to us? That is an order that we're gonna look at today, and I doubt we'll we'll uh we'll we'll finish this, but we'll definitely get into talking about some of these things today um but we'll definitely finish up next week uh, I mean the order of salvation I think brother chris is he teaching he's i think he's not in here um but he's taught on this for a long time right I mean I think he went and took like one section at a time uh and so today we're kind of doing a, a brief overview, which I thought was uh which was appropriate it's always appropriate to go over these things. So that we can talk about them, if there's any kind of confusion, we can go over it, and so that's what we'll be doing uh, in this time. So uh, the proper context uh, in the scripture, we can we find non-exhaustive texts, right? The directions and commands uh, that are given that are to be obeyed, right? If we are to be thoroughly saved, uh, very true. To be sure, right? We can simplify. We can summarize. Uh, the order of salvation, as Paul did, uh, he said, "Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved." Right? Or you, we have that if you confess with your mouth uh, uh, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Now that's just a very A to B kind of order of salvation, right? Um, uh, so it's it, it it honestly it depends um, on what context you find yourself in. Um, so it, with, with Paul here, he's in an evangelistic context, so he's not necessarily concerned with giving a Sunday school message, right? Of all the ins and the outs of, uh, of the order of salvation. Um, that's what Paul was doing. A man was coming to Paul. Uh, this is the Philippian jailer, uh, who is coming to him with true fear for his soul, uh, and, and was facing the dreadful consequences of sin and asked him, how can I be saved? Right? What are you not going to start with? You're not going to start with foreknowledge and predestination, are you? Well, let me tell you, let me go to Romans 8.28, right? Yeah, that's not what you're going to do. But you're going to say, yeah, right, I mean, you do want to exhaust the glorious salvation of God. Uh, but in these contexts, Paul doesn't do that. But Paul just says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that is a very accurate and simple order of salvation in an evangelistic context. Does that make sense? Brother? Yeah, because you know, Paul he's he even said that I forgot where it's at, he said that I wish to know nothing among you except Christ Jesus and him crucified. Amen. And he wanted the simplicity of the gospel. Amen. Amen. So it's not uncommon, right, that we find ourselves Preaching the law, preaching the holiness of God, the dreadful consequences of sin, and the way to be delivered from those consequences by pointing people to pointing people to Jesus uh, and what he accomplished on the cross, uh, that if they were to receive those benefits, we would just tell them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will receive those benefits, or you will be saved. Right? Um, And those are those blood bought benefits that 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 can be received and be applied, um, which we know to be by the Spirit of God. And why do I say by the Spirit of God? Anybody know? What is the Spirit's role in salvation? The Spirit of God is is the part of the Trinity that actually applies the work of sanctification to the believer. Would that be? Considered? Only sanctification. Yes. Only right and the power of, that we have to interpret scripture and to live Godly lives awakens us from the okay somebody read for me okay oh amen amen all those things are so good um let's go somebody uh, you, brother chris read for me john 663 and if there you need to you need to ask a question at some some sometime just let me know Raise your hand. Our God is not a God of confusion, but of order. Amen. It is the Spirit who gives life. Um, so that's what we're saying when we when we speak about Christ. Yes, brother. I was just going to add John sixteen eight. Oh, read that for us. The truth it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin, and righteousness, and judgment. <clears throat> amen, amen. So that's definitely one of the one of the roles that the Spirit of God does: convicts the world of sin. Anybody else have a verse? Something coming to mind? So that's what we say. The Spirit of God brings life, and the Spirit of God comes to convict, and when he comes to you, he brings all the benefits of Jesus Christ and applies them to your soul. That's life, right? Those are the benefits. That is what Jesus Christ purchased for you as a dead sinner, life. Um, Another verse, uh, maybe I can get a reader here. Keith, you want to read for me? Can you read for me um, uh, Titus 3? And can you read that nice and loud? Titus 3, 4 through 7. All those verses are good. These are good, just defining what exactly is the role of the Spirit, right, in salvation. These definitely has a role. All three members of the Trinity have a role in salvation, uh, both at various parts, but they all work uh, in the plan of salvation to apply it. Uh, let's do uh, Titus 3, 4 through 7. And read that nice and loud, brother. When the kindness of our God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, hmm. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Whom Man. He poured out upon us richly through Christ Jesus, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we would be made heirs of Amen. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out through Jesus Christ. Right, sister? Oh, amen, amen. So as the as the word is being preached, it's also coming with power by the Holy Spirit. That's exactly how it's coming. That's the Spirit of God that that uh, the Word of God that goes out. The Spirit of God is what applies that Word to you and brings conviction uh, and brings salvation uh, with the Word. And uh, brother Robert, we're we going to say something. No, you're good. What do you got, brother? says a foolish, begun by the Spirit, oh, amen is by the of flesh. Amen. Uh, amen. You know, amen. Amen. Great verse. That's a wonderful verse. And so you see in these verses, I mean, you, you'll understand, right? Um, and what I wanted to get at, what you, what you do see in this verse in Titus 3, 4 through 7, that, that by the washing and, uh, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Jesus was the instrument or the medium by which the, the, the Spirit was going to be poured out and apply the benefits to you. Jesus Christ was the instrument. He was going to accomplish these things and send the Spirit. He was coming to come through Jesus Christ to apply these benefits once Christ has accomplished them, or by virtue of Christ's accomplishment of these of these things. So these texts, there. So what we just we've gone through some of those texts in the beginning were evangelistic texts. Uh, They have salvific promises. Um, that are appropriate, they're they're directional, they help us to respond to the calling to the calling of God. but this is not all that what the New Testament has to say concerning the order of salvation, is it? right? Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Is that all we have? right? Well amen we have we have we have much more than that and we could expand um, uh, from these verses. We could ask ourselves this question, how does one repent and believe? who is dead and trespasses and sins, right? How does that happen? You're not going to get that from believe in the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved, but you can get that from other passages. Uh, and what is the reason for one exercising repentance and faith over another person, right? That's a legitimate question, um, and it's not based off of our human choices, Um so to be sure there isn't one single verse that declares uh the beginning and end of salvation uh, in all of its fullness but what we can do is come up with a cohesive a cogent argument um for from uh, a a multitude of scriptures uh to fill in the gaps of this order of salvation which is what we'll uh which is what we're going to attempt to do today um, and we can build a framework. okay So we're going to start in Romans 8. if you want to go there, Romans 8 29 through 30. Actually Romans 828 through 30. And uh, if someone wants to read that for us nice and loud. Brother Robert. Romans 8, 28 through 30. Okay. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay, so do you see kind of a framework in here that we can work with, you know, when it comes to the order of salvation? So in this text, there is an order of application, right? Not regarding that which takes place in eternity. Remember that God's foreknowledge and predestination are the means by which God brings about or applies the benefits that Christ bought with his blood, for those whom God loved in eternity past. Those are the means by which God is bringing that about. And so not speaking necessarily about what God had planned in eternity past, but, or what God has done, or, but, but what is taking place in time are those benefits that are going to be applied to you. And what are those, in this text there's three, uh, benefits, or three, Uh uh three different things that God is applying or it contains three separate acts, I should say, that God is applying. Uh what what are they? What can you get from this text? I guess predestining or foreknowing. Predestining? Foreknowing and actually I'll start over. Calling, justifying, yeah. hmm Yeah, calling and justifying glorifying. Amen. Amen. So those three are those really are kind of a I'm going to write these down, okay? So there are the means, and there are means and the reason that God is this uh, foreknowledge, and this is predestination. Okay, now this is the means by which God is going to apply these benefits, but in time, what is going to be realized in our salvation, how God will begin to draw us Begins with this, what we will call, amen, effectual, effectual calling. What was the other one? Justification. And glorification. (laughs) Thanks for that. By God's grace. Okay. Um, so that's what we see in this text. So there's, if you would, I'm going to do a little bit of writing today. This is just giving us a skeletal framework of the order of salvation, right? If we could just look at this text and ask ourselves, well, how does God apply uh, what Jesus Christ purchased for us that he bought with his blood? How does he apply it? Well, we could go to this verse, and it gives us kind of a kind of a framework. What comes first, right? Effectual calling would naturally come first, logically come first. Our justification would come next, and our glorification would come after that. But this isn't all that happens in our salvation, which is why it's kind of a framework, right? There are things that happen. There are things that happen here, and here. And there's many things that happen in between there. And those are the things that we're going to look at. So just looking at this as kind of like our framework, we can begin to fill in the gaps of, of what is missing, just kind of from a beginning, middle to end, and filling in those gaps. Um, so beginning with our with effectual calling, I just wanted to ask you a question, right? Uh, what is the Christian's effectual calling based on or according to in this verse? Did you get that from the text? What'd you get? What'd you get from the text? God. Uh, and I, that's kind of like what he describes God's purpose, right? And then what you see in there, I need, I need to get this uh, right. Speaking about going to that, going to that calling, or yeah, Romans. So Romans eight. That God. So to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes, or according to his purpose. And then he goes on, right? He he talks about, we we go back to calling in the 30th verse. So to God's purpose. um, What would an Arminian say in this verse? What is calling based on? Right? On God's purpose? Probably not. Right, but according to what God saw in us, that's what our, an Arminian might say that 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 he was called and elected based on what God saw that he would do. Right, but that's not what the text says. But you're called according to God's purpose, which has absolutely nothing to do with us. Uh, I wanted to, any any questions with that. Okay, we have so many Calvinists in here. They can't. If there's one Arminian, you're in trouble. Um, <laughs> Uh, Romans 9, okay? Romans 9 says this, 10 through 11, not, and not only this, but there was Rebecca also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born and had done, not, and had not done anything good or bad. Incredible. So it's telling you what exactly their salvation is based on, and it's not based on their character. Not based on any decision that they had made, and it goes on and says um, that that they were not yet born, had not done anything good or bad. So that, right? So he's he's going to tell you what this was based on. Um, he says so that God's purpose, according to His choice, would stand so completely despite any kind of character of your own any kind of any kind of righteousness that you might be able to conjure up um he's saying that the reason that they were standing firm the reason that one was elected instead of the other was not based on anything that they had done contrary to what armenians would say well it was it was god was looking down the corridors of time and he saw exactly what i would do brother Amen. Praise God. Amen. 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 That's hard for Armenians to grapple with. But that's just what the text says. And that's where we have to be very plain and we just have to let the text speak for itself. Brother? Okay, I want to read, uh, 1-6. okay yeah, go for it. Amen. Our salvation is all of God. Salvation is of the Lord. Yes, Keith. who are in opposition, perhaps God may grant them Amen. Amen. Great verse, brother. But this is what I, I want to keep reading this verse. Bring your bring your attention to this, right? He says, so that God's purpose. Uh, that's what we just read, right? Um, that's what we just read it in Romans. Romans 9 is saying the exact same thing, that calling according to God's purpose. This is saying that so that God's purpose, according to his choice, uh, according to his choice would stand uh, not because of works, but because of him who calls, right? Because of him who calls. This is, if, if something is, if this is like a mirror of what we see, in Romans 8.28, so then it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on what? God who has mercy, but on God who has mercy. Uh, so uh, let me ask you this. What was God's decision based on? Was it something that he saw in either of these two men in Romans 9? It wasn't It wasn't based on anything that he saw. The argument stems from the fact that both of these men, Jacob and Esau, are both descendants of Abraham, right? Yet only one is an heir of the promise. And according to this text, it was not according to their choice, but according to God's calling and God's choice. The salvation of Jacob is based on the sovereign freedom that God exercises in his design of salvation. Uh, he reserves com, uh, absolute complete rights to refuse or to choose uh whoever he pleases to save so it's not based on your character it's not based uh but it's based on god and because he is merciful the the the, the very uh, design and foundation of salvation is based on the very character of god not our character Praise God. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yes, then, I, I don't know read already, Go ahead. Um, Go ahead. We have a Amen. Amen. Solid, thank you. Go ahead, brother. Right. And so it can't Amen. Be based on their own Amen. It must be based on God's freedom to have mercy on Jesus. Amen. Amen. If your salvation was based on, right, it must be based on before or after your birth. Prior. Prior, right. I mean, if it's based on after your birth, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> you're a sinner. Right. It must be based on the character of God. Um, that's the whole foundation of salvation. What do you guys think? So John MacArthur says, "Pride." I agree. Pride. And what is what is pride? I know it's a sin. Well, what is pride? <laughs> sinful. I mean, just uh, amen. What is it? Somebody give me a definition of pride. Self righteousness. Amen. Raising yourself above the thought of God. Amen. Wanting to live apart from God. Right. Wanting to live autonomously, meaning I don't want anything to do with you. I want to live my own life. Absolutely. Some of y'all, that's debatable. I'm just kidding. Yeah, amen. And no, I, I thank God for the inconsistent Armenians. Right? I, I brothers, right, I truly believe that Armenians are brothers, right? Truly believe that, and I, 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 I've, I have sat down and, like a Berean, searched the scriptures with so many Armenians, um, and, I, and like only God, truly, only God can illumine their eyes to help them understand these things. Because I know some Armenians that are out preaching the gospel just like we are. And believe it with all their heart, and they go out and herald it. Um, and man, like I look at those brothers, and I can I receive true brotherly charity and love from them. And like, and I I, I want to affirm them. I thank God for the inconsistent ones, who uh, who you know on one one part of their mouth, one side of their mouth they say salvation. Well, I had something to do with it. And then on the next part they say uh, God is the source of salvation. He is the author of salvation. He's you know what I'm saying that's the inconsistent Arminian. You know. Um, which is very uh, confusing at times. Yes, Brother Keith. I think that this board of salutes is very important in understanding. Amen. Yeah amen. And and amen. David Amen. Anybody else? Somebody else have their hand raised? Why why are Armenian churches so full? You know, thousands and thousands of people are meeting there today to see. And we're just a handful here. (sighs) That's true. That really is true. God's knowledge, his intimate love happened here. Amen. Amen. So that is the source of our salvation. It comes from God before your physical existence. Nothing to do with you whatsoever. And it leads to the ultimate goal of your salvation, which is this one. Because of this, then this. Does that make sense? Because of God's foreknowledge and intimate love for you, he predestined your destiny. He made the decision to secure your destiny and his eternal relationship with you. So you have the source of your salvation right here. And you have the basically God procuring your salvation. Um, the goal of your salvation. Which is going to happen by all of these things right here in time. Predestinating work of God, which is eternally fixes your destiny. Incredible. Very sobering to think about where God's love for you started. And then we see in time, right, the order of salvation or how God is going to redeem you by applying what Jesus Christ bought for you on the cross. You could you could say this another way. You could go to Ephesians 1 if you would. If you would turn there with me. Looks like we only have about maybe 13 minutes or so. Is everybody understanding this? I hope, I'm hoping it's bringing a little bit of clarity, uh, you know, and, and, that, and that this is comprehensive and, um, or comprehendable. Uh, but Ephesians 1, uh, you see what is going on in, in Romans eight twenty eight in Ephesians 1, so beautifully. You really do. Uh, starting in verse 3, I want to read it for you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, because we were holy and blameless, Is that is that what it says? Because we were holy and blameless? That's No, it doesn't say that, right? Amen. Good discerning Christians right there. Not because we were holy and blameless, that we would be holy and blameless. Like God is not looking down the corridors of time and says, I see you being holy and blameless. I see you having faith. No, 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 no. That's not at all what this is saying here. He said he chose us in Christ... Um, before the foundations of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. That's what this, 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 what Romans 28 is saying is that uh, whom he foreknew he predestined to become conformed to the image of Christ. That's your, that's your, um, that you would be holy and blameless before him inside of your good works. Is that how it proceeds? Right? inside of your good works. No, no, no. But in love, that's this part. That's the foreknowledge. In love, he predestined. You see that? In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ was the instrument that God was using to bring about our adoption, Christ was going to go to the cross and purchase this blood-bought benefit that God would apply to your soul. Goes on that he, that he, so he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to our will. Right. I just like, I can just honestly go on and on about this. It kills me. I can't understand Arminianism. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I just like nothing in this. I can't like I can't get anything but the glory and exaltation of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, right. I mean, I just I don't understand it. I mean, put in everything that Arminian would say. And it completely destroys the point that the scripture is trying to uh, to prove. Yeah, amen. Amen. It's incredible. Amen. Um, and it's simple English grammar, right. grammar, English grammar. Right. English grammar I know. Because it doesn't say he chose Christ. Right. He, he chose, right. he chose, that's right, us in him. him. Amen. Yeah. You really could go on and on about this. Uh, it's just like, it's, but it's, it's just, it's salvation, all of God, uh, not, cho- he didn't choose Christ. Though there is a foreknowledge passage, I think, in Peter uh, speaking about Jesus Christ. Uh, but this is not what this is saying in Ephesians, though. Not not speaking about that reality of Jesus Christ coming incarnate uh, to procure our salvation, uh, God's loving intimacy and in this relationship before the foundation of the world that was established, before he came. But this verse is speaking about the fact that we were chosen in him, that we would be holy and blameless. In love he predestined us. Uh, to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In the beloved. I mean, like, th- this is a point we should make, right? Uh, th- uh, we are not in any way, like we can't choose God. There's nothing in us that God looks and admires, but everything in us that God loathes, absolutely loathes before you are in Christ. Nothing in you that's good. No one is good, right? Not even one. No one is good but God alone. That's what Jesus Christ says. I learned that in Spanish, by the way. Eso Cristo dijo, Porque me llamas bueno? Nadie es bueno sino solo Dios. I always preach that to Cecilia. I only know a little bit of Spanish. Uh, but that's about it. But, okay, so this is what it says who, about who are we, right? Jesus says this in Luke 9, 23, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. He must leave himself. Do you know where that is also used, that word deny, in the Bible? No. Yes, Peter, same word is used with Peter. And what was he saying? Jesus says, you must deny yourself. And the same word is used of Peter and Jesus saying, I do not know that man. He was just denying him. But that's what Jesus Christ says you must do to yourself. You must deny yourself and proclaim that you do not know. You do not know who you used to be. I do not know Landon Cosney. the old man. He's dead told my mom that she weeps every time, but it's so true that your son, the one that you gave birth to, is dead, completely dead. Then Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life he cannot be my disciple and so so why so what happens if you hold on to your life? you lose your life uh if you were living right truly living and we're undefiled by sin, there'd be no problem. But because you are dead in your trespasses and sins, uh, Ephesians two one, you must be born again. Not only that, I mean, just like God must completely start over with you and make a new creature, right? Everything must go. That's what he says in second Corinthians five 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a completely new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Or all things are become new. So God must truly do a great work in you. Yeah. A great work. Yes, brother. I would just say, brother, uh, just looking at Ephesians chapter 1, we see that if we undercut try to undercut the pure, concise reading and teaching of this passage. We undercut the very assurance that we have in Christ. Amen. Oh, truly. If it's not based on Jesus Christ... That's what What is that? What does is, what is John MacArthur said? If you could lose your salvation, you would. You would. You would. And um, I think we should probably get going since about five till. Uh, let me pray for us, okay? Um, thank you all for for just uh, being here and sharing this with me, allowing me to share this with you. Father in heaven, uh, Lord, thank you for the salvation that you have provided in Jesus Christ Thank you for the rock-solid word and the testimony of these sacred scriptures uh, that testify of our great salvation and that which Jesus Christ came to procure on our behalf. Lord, I pray that you would help us to realize these blood-bought benefits, help us to understand them, uh, help us to live them, help us to glory in them, and give praise to God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who has purchased these things for us. And it's in his great name that we pray. Amen.